I had the Mercedes and the Maserati and the boats and the jet skis. And, and I got depressed. And I don't mean a little depressed. I mean, I got really depressed. I just floating in the pool. And then it, it stayed with me. And I'm like, what the hell? I've just achieved success like times 10,000. How could I possibly be depressed? Listen, everybody, we all know that real estate is the most proven way to build wealth. But why isn't everyone wealthy from real estate then? It's hard to know where to start. And most of the education out there is just complete trash. And you end up investing your money on a series of courses instead of in real estate. That's not how this podcast works. We give you the blueprint to successful real estate investing and bring on guests actually willing to share their secrets. I started my real estate investing journey as a freshman in college when I bought my first duplex and have been in the trenches doing deals ever since. And today, I now own hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. On this podcast, you will learn what you actually need to know to be a successful active or passive real estate investor. And we'll offer our takes on what's happening today so you can navigate this market and build wealth. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Brenneman Blueprint. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Brenneman Blueprint. Really excited for today's episode today. I've got Rod Khalifan. He's, uh, I mean, someone I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's got one of the biggest uh, real estate investing podcasts out there. You know, the, uh, and then he's also doing, doing deals on his own, big time multifamily investor. So excited to have him on. Welcome, Rod. Oh, thanks for having me, Drew. We're going to have some fun today. Yeah, looking forward to diving in. I mean, I think probably for those, you know, people listening that uh, don't know you, we should just start with your story. So really, how'd you get sure. to where you're at today? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and I'll be brief for those of you so you don't have to suffer through it if you've heard it before. But uh, yeah, I'm an immigrant. I'm a Dutch immigrant. Uh, you know, I was immigrated from Holland when I was six, you know, windmills, wooden shoes, and um, uh, ended up, I immigrated with my brother, Albert, my mother's Vantia. We ended up in Denver, Colorado, where I lived for 30 years. And when we first got there, we really struggled. I will tell you, I remember we uh, ate expired food. There was an expired food store. And I remember uh, drinking powdered milk with our cereal in the morning because it was cheaper than real milk. And trust me, it sounds better than it is. And I remember uh, I wore clothes from the Goodwill and the Salvation Army all the way through junior high school till I was 14. I lied about my age, but Burger King, because I was tall so I could get a job and so I could buy my own clothes. And you know, and I'm sure you've got listeners that may have had it harder than I did when, you know, they got started or maybe even had it harder now with some of the economic uncertainty we've got going on. But I knew I wanted more. And luckily, my mom had an incredible work ethic. So uh, she babysat kids. So we'd have enough money to eat. And we always had a house full of kids. And um, she became a bit of an entrepreneur. And you know, she invested in the stock market successfully. She did IPOs and with no formal education. And she also invested in real estate. And her first real estate acquisition was the house right across the street from us that she bought uh, from a family named the Jewels when I was about 14 for about 30 grand. And then when I was 17, she told me she'd made $20,000 in her sleep that had gone up in value 20,000. I'm like, what? You made wow. 20 grand? You didn't do anything? And I'm like, screw college, mom. I'm getting into real estate. And so I got my real estate broker's license right when I turned 18, which you could do back then with education. You could actually be a broker and have your own office through education. Now they got smart and you need some experience to be a broker. But I was a broker and, you know, I still lived at home. And I remember I got a bus bench down at the end of the street with my picture on it, which didn't do me any business, but made my mom proud. And, but my first year in real estate, I maybe made about eight grand. Uh, my second year, maybe 10 grand. But my third year, I made over $100,000, which back in 1980 was some pretty decent money. And so what happened between year two and year three that caused me to 10x my income? Well, what happened was I was dating a girl and 
her dad, uh, I went to work for her dad. He was a broker. And, um, and he taught me about the importance of mindset and psychology. And I really 80 to 90% of your success in anything is your mindset and psychology. Only, you know, 10 to 20% is the mechanical stuff we talk about on our podcasts. And, uh, you know, it's, it's primarily mindset. And then I, you know, I met him and then I spent the next 20 years following Tony Robbins around the, well, not the, the next, I spent 20 years more recently following Tony Robbins around the planet. And he, of course, he's the best in the world at mindset and psychology. And fast forward to today, I've owned over 2000 houses that I've rented long-term uh, in Denver, in three states actually. And I own thousands of apartment units right now. In 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept. And you might say, wow. And I said, wow. And I thought I was a freaking real estate god. I thought I could do no wrong. And I got a head so big, I could barely fit it through a door. And, you know, when that happens, God of the universe will give you a nice little smackdown. Well, that was 2008. I lost $50 million conservatively in 2008 and nine. And so, you know, one of the things I'm known for talking about on my podcast and at my live events is, is really the mindset it took to have 50 million to lose in the first place. And then the mindset it took to recover from that, which may be just as important, maybe even more important, and um, particularly Seems in this harder. environment that we're in now. Well, yeah. it is harder Come back. Uh, <laughs> when you lose it. When you lose it all, you know. I thought I was set for life, and uh, you know, I, I used to tell people, you know, floor. I, I had when it all crashed and burned. I had eight hundred houses here in Florida, um, and I was only at a thirty percent loan to value. Okay, true story. And I still crashed and burned. It was the houses that pulled me down. I had several apartment complexes as well, but it was the houses that pulled me down. And and I'll explain why. Let me just do that because I know you're going to ask me. So you know, because that that almost sounds crazy, but um, there there are several factors. Um, one of the factors is um, you know, it's all about cash flow. Number one, and that's the reason my podcast is called Lifetime Cash Flow because it's all about cash flow. And so. You know, I had properties. Uh, well, f- first of all, Florida has no state income tax, so they have to make up that deficiency elsewhere. And then one of the ways they do that is with with property taxes. And so, you know, that impacts cash flow, higher property taxes. That's the largest expense you have on a real estate asset, typically. And then insurance. I had properties in wind and flood zones. Higher insurance that impacts cash flow. In fact, I'm uh, I have a compound on the water here in Florida now, and I had eight hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars worth of damage from Ian. So I'm fighting that out with the insurance company right now. But but anyway, so but but that insurance impact cash flow. But what really killed me was I was pretty spread out geographically. I had houses two hours north of me, two hours south of me, and everywhere in between. And and if I had a maintenance issue at one of my apartment complexes, everything there is the same. So we could stockpile parts, plumbing parts, appliance parts, you know, HVAC parts, uh, 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 um, lighting fixtures, locks, all of that stuff. We could stockpile and a maintenance guy could be in and out in an hour. Well, if I had to send him to one of my houses and let's say it's an hour and a half one way, they have to go see what's wrong. Go find a Home Depot or a Lowe's where we have an account and and pick up the stuff. And I don't know about you, Drew, but you know, uh, whenever Rod tries to fix something, he usually ends up going to Home Depot more than once. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's sometimes the same with maintenance. You know, they get into something, they realize they need more parts. And what took, um, you know, an hour at one of my apartment complexes took all day at one of my 800 houses. And here's the thing. These were C-class houses. And so obviously there's A, B, C, and D-class. A is brand new. D is the hood. And, and C is uh, you know, it's a tougher demographic. Number one, they're harder on the property. The properties are older. So all of that adds up to a lot more maintenance. And so the maintenance really killed the cash flow. But then the, 
you know, the, the coup de grace, as it were, what really tipped me over the edge was I didn't pay attention to tenant demographics back then. And most of my tenants were either in retail or they were contractors, plumbers, electricians, drywallers, painters, roofers, and all of that fell off a freaking cliff in 2008, nine, they didn't have work. And so it was like the perfect storm. And, and, um, and so, you know, that's what happened anyway. Uh, but you know, back to mindset, uh, you know, it, I, I thought 80 million baby boomers getting old and getting cold. I thought Florida was recession proof. And, you know, uh, I was dead wrong. And I but I, you know, I do believe that 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 statement probably holds a little more credence now uh, where we are today. I mean, we've seen a huge influx here in Florida, but much more uh, but, diversified now, too. Yeah. How, yeah, how did yeah. you end up? So you were renting you were renting out all the houses. And then if you're at that kind of LTV now, how do you how did you end up? I, maybe let's walk us through that a well, little more. Well, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't sell. I couldn't sell the portfolio at thirty cents on the dollar. I couldn't sell it. I, I tried, uh, wow. and 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 then I actually went upside down, or or real close to being upside down. That's how far it dropped, Drew. I mean, it it just just plummeted here, uh, and and you know we talked about this because I you know I had you on my show and we talked about this on my show where, uh, you know these some of these markets um, dropped significantly and this was one of them it was almost a ground zero thing here and i mean like vegas like uh, parts of california back in 08 and 09 that just it was just horrible but um but you know it 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 was sobering it was humbling and uh and i wouldn't give it up for anything you know life is about meaning and you choose what the meaning you put on different events that happen to you and sometimes very negative events and my meaning that i put on this event losing 50 million dollars i call it a seminar by the way i don't call it a failure it's only a failure if you give up and you don't get back up or you don't get the lesson but uh, my meaning is that i never would have met my wife and i have a supermodel beautiful wife and she's more beautiful on the inside than the outside so i'd give it all up again for her so that's and again if if you're listening and you have something have had something negative happen to you that still holds you back just decide to change the meaning because you can always put a positive meaning on it but um you know so how did i recover well i i first started with getting really reassociating with my goals getting very clear on what i wanted again because you know, they all got thrown out the window. And so, um, you know, and, and if you ever come to one of my boot camps, the first hour and a half is goal setting on steroids because, you know, how the heck do you get anything if you don't know what it is? You've got to know what it is you want. And, and just as importantly as knowing what you want, you've got to know why you want it because you've got to create uh, what Napoleon Hill in his book, Think and Grow Rich, calls a burning desire. You've got to really want it. And so, uh, like I said, that's one of the first things we do. Um, and if you're listening and you haven't done your goals recently, or you've never done them with your spouse, or if you've got kids that are 10 years old or older, get your butt over to rodslinks.com. That's rods, plural, links, plural.com. And at the bottom, every year on New Year's Day or the next day, I do goal setting. And I did it this year. It's there. Uh, it's a, 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 I can guide you through this goal setting process as a guide you can download. I'm not going to try to sell you anything, you know, go there and do your goals because Drew, here's the thing. People spend more time planning a freaking birthday party or a Christmas party than they do designing their lives and, and, and designing your life starts be, becoming very clear on what it is you want and why you want it. I know when I interviewed you, that was one of the first things you talked about was, you know, evaluating these different ways to make money and, and, uh, and getting clear on that. And so, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, are stuck. Um, and, and you've got to, you've got to create that burning desire, um, to push through fear or to push through limiting beliefs, um, which I'll expand on in a second, or, or maybe you're comfortable 
And that comfort zone is a nice warm place and nothing freaking grows there, right? So you've got to have that burning desire to push through all that and limiting beliefs. Let me talk about that for a second. So, you know, when I immigrated, um, by the way, Matt, do we have those props? They're under the table here. Can you give them to me real quick? Um, uh, cause I, I'm actually in my studio right now and I share this stuff when I'm being, uh, when I'm doing my boot camp. But, um, when I, when we immigrated, I didn't speak English and I got thrown into school, the, the shorts too. Uh, I got thrown into school and then, um, you know, and wow. so I, I found out what bullies were for the first time. And, um, are they in there? Those leather shorts. Okay. Then my mom thought it'd be a great idea to send me to school in these wooden shoes and these leather shorts the Germans wear for Oktoberfest. And they said, these are the actual, uh, this is the actual scene yeah. of the crime. Cause we found this when we, we put my mom and assisted living, we found this stuff. And, and uh, the, for the and people so I got just my, list, listening, this it, the rods holding up literally wooden yellow shoes. Wooden and, shoes. Yeah. 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 And, these and are the, the real shorts, ones. shorts yeah, that the, are leather, leather that leather, you don't, they like stand on their own. They're, they, they look, yeah, it looks yeah. like it should be a couch. Right. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen these. They wear these at Oktoberfest. You know, the Germans wear them. And so, you know, so I got my butt kicked again. And then there were bullies at the end of my street and my mama chased them off with a fly swatter. So the next day, butt kicking. And so, you know, I came up with this limiting belief that I wasn't good enough. In fact, I used to ask myself, how can I show them I'm good enough? And of course, of course, presupposed I wasn't. And so, you know, it's really uh, kind of funny. But again, all of this stuff molds you. It makes you who you are today. And I don't regret any of it. it. It sucked at the time. But, you know, I don't I don't look back on it and wish it hadn't happened because it it really made me stronger. But um but anyway, you've got to, it starts with the goals. You've got to do the goals. So like I said, help, let me help you guide you through them if you haven't done them in a while. Um, and I mean, if you decide to come to one of my boot camps, one of the first things we do, so you don't have to do it there. But, uh, but you need to do that for sure. And it's something, honestly, you should do two or three times a year because your goals evolve. I mean, I used to think having a Lamborghini and a Rolls and all this stupid crap and you know, was important. And I don't anymore. Now I, my goals are much, much different. So goals evolve, so you should do them regularly and you need to associate with them. Because by doing your goals, it triggers something in your brain called your reticular activating system. And what that is, is it's a subconscious filter. You're not consciously aware of it. It actually keeps you from going crazy, honestly. But but it also directs you, it directs you in the direction your brain thinks you're interested in. And I suppose the easiest example to understand it is when you first buy a car. You know, you never really notice them before then, and you buy the car, and then they're everywhere. Of course, they were there before, right. but you just didn't notice them. That's your reticular activating system. That's why goals are so important. Um, uh, you know, I could I could talk about a few more points here if you like, Drew. Uh, I'm, yeah, feel like well, I'm I think goals are really on. yeah. Well, I'm 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 uh, I'm half Italian, so I'm used to people just running with it. And you need you need, you need to interrupt me usually to get in a word, so right. I'm used to it. Um, okay. But yeah, I think I mean I think goals are really important with how you're talking about them because mm -hmm. I did a podcast too that's coming out and it's on the skills you need to succeed in real estate. And mm -hmm. really, there's and I didn't go through like 20 skills. It was two or three, but number one was being, you're going to have to find a way to be motivated. Like there's a lot going on in this business. It's not easy. And what I'm hearing you say is, you know, this is for the folks that are, they're in their warm, comfy place. Maybe they already have a good job and they need to find a way to be motivated. You don't, you don't really want to show up to work at 9am every day. You want to, you know, probably be like Rod and be on the beach, you know, and, uh, you know, and having some flexibility, just, just got off the plane from Japan here. So yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, it, it is a, a beautiful thing to have that freedom. And, uh, you know, if you follow me on social, you'll, you'll see my escapades because we do a lot of that, but, uh, but, 
uh, I'll tell you, it, 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 you have to have them, and, and so many people don't. And, and like you say, and I'm going to tell you, if you're listening to this or you're watching us on YouTube or somewhere else, you're a leader. There's no question you're a leader. And right now, more than ever, the world needs leaders. I mean, don't get me started on all the political crap that's going on and, and the stuff in the news. And you don't even know what to believe anymore. There's so much. It's all crap, frankly. And, and, and so when I say that, it's so critical as a leader that you pay attention to your focus. Because if you get sucked into the news, see, here's the thing. Whatever you focus on gets larger, both positive or negative. And if you're sucked into the news, and, and listen, this is me looking in the mirror because I regularly have allowed it to happen. And I, I really manage it much more carefully now because, uh, you know, my blood pressure went up 20 points when I really got sucked into it. But, but you know, it, whatever you focus on gets larger. So it's really critical that you bring in the good stuff, uh, you know, and I'll watch uh, YouTube videos about soldiers coming home or 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 things like that. I cry like a little girl, but but you know, I, I watch the good stuff. And you know, on my podcast, I do a clip every week called Own Your Power. And I've got hundreds of them there. They're five minutes long and uh, I can tell you, uh, you give me five minutes a week, I will juice you. Okay. Uh, so um, you know, you might try that. But regardless, pay attention and stand guard at the door to your mind. Don't to really keep out the negative stuff, not just the news, but the naysayers in your life, the people that are and 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 especially in this current economic environment, there's going to be a lot of fear. I'm just telling you, uh, I really believe things are going to get ugly and uh, much uglier than they are right now. And so uh, it, it's and fear will be pervasive. And of course, the news will magnify that fear. So you just really that's why the goals are so important, because if you've got those goals done and you've got them in front of you, you've got them on the wall and you're and you're focused on the stuff that you want instead of the fear that's going to be out there, you'll be able to thrive through this and you'll be able to capitalize on what's coming. I think it candidly, if it's as bad as I think it's going to be, and a lot of people disagree with me, I think you even disagree with me a little, Drew, but I, I think we could see the greatest transfer of wealth we see in our lifetimes coming. I, I you know, people a lot smarter than me have said it's going to be really bad. You know, Elon Musk says they're lying to you. It's going to be big. And he said if they don't start lowering the interest rates immediately, it's going to be a severe depression. And he's not a stupid guy. Um, you know, Jamie Dimon, head of Chase, said it's going to be severe. Um, you know, Trump, love him or hate him. He said it could be as bad as the Great Depression. I don't think, God forbid, if it's that bad. But I, I mean, it's it. I think it's going to be uglier than people think. You know, you and I were talking about it when I interviewed him on my show. And uh, you know, uh, Jamie Dimon just came out today and said that he's anticipating a lot more bank failure. And I mean, that's a sobering thing. A lot of offices are empty, you know, a lot of bridge debt coming due. There's just going to be a lot of turmoil financially. And so that's why focus is so absolutely critical. But, um, you know, it, it, I kind of got off track a little bit on the focus thing, but but it starts with the goals. It starts with figuring out exactly what you want. So you create that burning desire. And then the next thing is you got to make a decision. And that could be the biggest decision of your life because, you know, and the Latin root for the word decision means to cut off. If you're, you know, it, 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 a great analogy for a real decision, it's not dipping your toe in the water. It's not one foot in, one foot out. A real analogy for a decision is, uh, our example would be, if you're going to attack the island, you burn your ships because you're taking their ships home. Okay, that's a freaking decision. And that's that's what you have to do. You have to make an all-in decision to decide, you you know, particularly if you're in the sidelines or you're comfortable and you know you need to do more. So you got to make a decision. And then the next piece is you got to take the first step. And sometimes that first step can be the biggest step of your life as well. And, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King said, you know, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You see that first step and you, and you take that in faith and the next step will be revealed. And, 
You know, Lao Tzu, thousands of years ago, said the journey of a thousand miles with, begins with a single step. But you got to take that step, you know, and, and so th those are a couple uh, quick pieces. The next thing I'll tell you is if you're going to become an operator, uh, at least, you know, my, my world is the multifamily space. I host the largest podcast really in the world about that. And, and if, if you're going to get into that, you want to play to your strengths. But honestly, this dynamic applies to just about anything. But, but, but you know, a lot of people think, oh, I got to build up my weaknesses. No. If you play to your strengths, in, in, especially in multifamily, let's speak to that specifically, you play to your strengths and you hire a line or partner for your weaknesses, success is almost inevitable, okay? And, and here's why that's so important for you to play to your strengths, because if you're playing to your strengths, first of all, you love it, okay? So you never work another day in your life because work is play. If you love what you're doing, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the life you live and that's the life I'm blessed to live. Um, but, um, the other thing is if you're playing to your strengths, you're passionate and to influence people requires passion. Okay. You, and, and so if you're passionate about what you do, people feel that they, they, they know that you, you love it and they want to be around that. They want to work with you. And, you know, in, in, in the, again, in the multifamily space, you got to influence brokers, sellers, potential investors, you know, partners, people to work with. And so, you know, that, that passion is critical piece. And, and if you're trying to, you know, again, build your weaknesses, you're not going to have that passion. And so important to play to your strengths. Now, the beautiful thing about the business that we're in is that there are a lot of different hats you can wear. You know, there's, 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 there's building relationships with brokers to find deals. There's underwriting those deals. If you love spreadsheets, there's, you know, asset management, if you're good with management, project management, um, you know, and so, so, and there, there's offshoots in addition to those as well. So a lot of different places you can hang your hat. Um, and, uh, and so keep that in mind. You you absolutely want to play to your strengths. And that's why um, you, you see so many partnerships in real estate. You know, it's almost, I had somebody describe uh, the business. It's like a rock band where you kind of, you got to put the pieces together, you know, and good. then that, and, and also that's why too, you'll see, you'll see things change sometimes. Okay. That was the, the, you know, the best lead singer finding the deals at that point, but then, you know, no, they're not they evolve. It can evolve. Yeah. yeah, it can evolve for sure. And and or you know when you first get started, you're wearing all the hats. Okay, uh, you know I, uh, and we talked about that when I interviewed you. And and then you, then as you grow, you you build a team. But I will tell you, you know I've interviewed so many freaking operators like any. I think I'm at seven. Oh, how many interviews are we at now, Matt? 800, 700. I mean, you had 800 episodes when I looked at it. Yeah. 800. Right. Okay. So eight, 800, 800 episodes. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So th there you go. And, and, and I'll tell you some of the most common partnerships I see, the most common, not some of the, the most common by far is an analytical person with an outgoing person. And, and those are matches made in heaven because, you know, you need both those pieces in this business. I mean, this business is, as you know, Drew very well, is primarily empirical. It's primarily numbers. You get the numbers right. You ask all the right questions. You turn over all the rocks and so on and so forth. And it's pretty hard to make a big mistake. Uh, but you it also need to, build, you need to build relationships. You know, I, I have coaching students. They're called my warriors. And I was telling you on the previous, uh, when we talked on my show, that, you know, they own upwards of 150,000 units that we know of, which I'm really proud of, super proud of. But most of those were done between warriors because this business is a team sport, like I said. And it's it's really who you know. It's not just what you know. And so, you know, if you're if you're real serious about 
becoming an operator in this business, I would encourage you to attend all of the meetups you can, you know, uh, uh, go to industry events and just get around people because that truly is one of the biggest secrets to success in this business. Do you agree with me, Drew? Yeah. And we were talking, yeah, we were talking about this before where you, you need to take action where you can sign up for all these classes and yeah, we both have podcasts. So, you know, sure. It's great to listen to our stuff, but if you're just listening and doing nothing, like that's not really what Rod and I are going for, no. you know, when I, no. when I got started, I, I read a couple books, but then I'm like, I have enough info to do the basics. And actually one thing I was going to say is I like that you got cash flow and the titles of all the stuff you do. Cause on my first deal, the number one thing I was looking for, was it being cash flow positive? And because I mean, I'm brand new. I was a teenager. I'm, I'm not that sure about all the things I'm doing. I've never bought a house. But I thought I knew how to value the properties and using a grocery multiplier. I thought I had that dialed in, but to protect myself, I wanted to focus on cash flow. So worst case scenario in my mind was I'd just sit on the property, cash flow it. Yeah. Maybe I overpaid. I didn't know what I was doing. So but so doesn't really matter. If the cash, cash flow is there, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I, I I wrote a book. Uh, you know, when I first started my podcast, it's kind of funny. I I and I'll lead into this book comment, but uh I, I first started it. I used to tell people, I'll never sell you anything because I just wanted to add value. That was the truth of it. I wanted to tell my story. And I now I'm a liar because I sell everything. I got boot camps and coaching and, and books and all that. But, but um, you know, and I started taking free phone calls from my listeners. I literally had hundreds. A 30-minute phone call say, I'm not going to sell you anything. Let me just see if I can help you. I really love those calls. And, and, and people would always say, you know, you need to, you know, come up with a course, do something. And so I wrote a book and I gave away 20,000 copies of the book as well. Um, and it, and then I put it on Amazon and became a, 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 you know, a number one bestseller in three categories. But the reason I bring that up is it's, uh, the title of the book is how to create lifetime cash flow through multifamily properties. But the subtitle is the new rules of real estate investing. And IE, the new rules are focus on freaking cash flow. Don't tell me that you could buy this property for 3 million that, that, that someone else paid. 8 million or 5 million for five years ago. I don't care. How is the cash flow? That's all that matters, especially in this current economic environment. The cash flow has got to be the focus. You agree with me? Everyone who was investing in 2006, 7, 8, they all got burned on. Uh, I mean, a lot of all the distress wasn't, me. On the, wasn't on the consistent cash flow deals. It was all the people who owned a ton of houses, uh, a ton mm -hmm. of were building condos, where it was all this. Mm -hmm. Uh, stuff around for sale or things where you, your tenants could just dip out where you have office well, building or something, your tenant, your business well, people, closes. People think that, that, that houses really cash flow well. And I'm going to tell you, they they really don't, uh, they, they don't cash flow. And I mean, I'm a poster child for that. I've owned, like I say, 2000 houses. I had 500 in Denver at one time. I had, uh, two, over 200 in Memphis and then, you know, 11 or 1300 here in Florida. And, and so, um, you know, and, and they're much harder to cash flow. You wouldn't think so, but they really are. And so, um, and that, and again, that's, that's part of the story that I wanted to share because when I lost everything in 2008 and nine, my apartments did just fine. Yeah. They pulled back about 11%, but they could have easily survived. And, uh, but, but me and my infinite wisdom, I cross collateralized them with packages of houses to save, you know, 50 basis points or, to, you know, lower my interest or extend my loans. And, and, and so the whole thing imploded. Um, but, uh, otherwise that's, I'd absolutely still have my apartment complexes. So, um, and the but, same uh, thing's going on right now. When when I look at like houses for rent uh, and I see what they're getting in a lot of areas, the, it's, it's well under what it would cost to own that thing. Assuming like a normal down payment and operating yeah. costs. It's yeah. we're, we're in a similar scenario where a lot of people 
today are opting to not sell because prices went down. So they're thinking, right. oh, this used to be worth whatever, a million dollars, uh, you know, 500,000. A few minutes ago, it feels like I don't want to sell it for a hundred thousand less. I'll rent it. And, you know, they're, they're renting it where at best they're breaking even and, and earning a, a tiny return from here on the equity they still have in it. So we're, we're yeah. kind of setting up for something, you know, potentially similar, you know, for, uh, you know, uh, a different person who was in your scenario, you know, early in. Uh, oh, we're going to see a lot of pain. I, I'm convinced we're going to see a lot of pain. I mean, again, some people tell me I'm crazy. I'm, I'm real interested to hear what what my peers think. Uh, I, I mentioned this to you previously. I'm, I'm ha- I have a uh, mastermind. It's called the Multifamily Boardroom, and we're meeting in Dallas in two weeks. And I'm real interested to see if if people's attitudes have changed. Because I will tell you, I went to Grant Cardone's Growth Con in Vegas, and you know, I I I I believe in continually improving um, and and growing. And 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 I, I know I motivate thousands of people and I need to be motivated sometimes. So I thought that would help. And it helped a little bit. There were some cool people there. Um, uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, he uh, gets some uh, great speakers. At yeah, he things. gets some awesome, awesome yeah. speakers. And I paid 20 grand to be in the front row. So that was kind of fun too. Uh, but why did I bring that up? Um, oh God. Well, probably what was the, what was the message at that? It was still people were pretty optimistic, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, no, it really wasn't that. I, I lost my train of thought. Why I brought that up? I had a, I had a, I had somewhere I was going with that. Well, anyway, oh, well, really, I can, I can speak to this, and that is learners are earners. Okay, I mean, you know, I'm pretty comfortable. I, I, I have a really good life, and I'm still, and I went to Tony Robbins Business Mastery, which I've been to ten times before, uh, about um, uh, two months prior to that growth con in in Vegas, because you know, you if you're not growing, you're dying, and so you know, I continually work on growing and. Uh, I never went to college, but I've got this picture that I took where uh, where I saved the lanyards from the different boot camps and events I've gone to, and I'm standing there with my arms out, and I've got hundreds of them around my neck and on my arms, um, uh, because again, it, it, it if you're not again growing, you're dying, and and so you know I I, I live by that, and uh, that wasn't the and, message I'd hoped. And to, are you to getting make, you but, yeah. you getting energy from these events? Because one thing I I oh, really yeah, well, that, yeah for I really sure like about, of course I am. about you Rod where. I mean, I know um, if I had to guess, I think you're in your you know late 60s or something, but you you have the energy of like a 30 year old when you're talking. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's got you. Have, you I can't believe you said late late 60s, yeah. you bastard. I'm only 63, yeah. but I, my hair is my hair is totally yeah. great. But uh, well, but it's no, not, it's I, a little I, hard I, to tell I, on the computer, buddy. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. But but uh, you know, uh, uh, but anyway. Uh, you know, and that's another thing. You've got to pay attention to your health as well, especially, you know, I know you have a lot of people listening on your show that are brokers and lenders and, and think people in the, you know, vendors. So for lack of a better description in, in the business that we're in the commercial real estate right. business. And you told me that a lot of them aren't actually investors. And guys, what are you thinking? You are in the perfect position to capitalize on your role. And as long as you don't invest, if if you're just working every January 1st, you go back to work. If you start investing and building cash flow and building, it's like building annuities. At some point, you don't have to work anymore or very little. And so, you know, I'm speaking to you right now. If that's you, for God's sake, start, you know, uh, can I plug my boot camp real quick? I've yeah, got a virtual I mean, yeah, let's, I've let's got, get into this. Yeah, I've got I've got a virtual boot camp coming up May 6th and 7th. I don't sell anything there. It's like 16 to 18 hours of training. And this will blow your mind, okay? If you if you use the code Drew, you can come for forty seven dollars. And I don't sell anything there, okay? Now it's drinking through a fire hose, but anyway, what you want to do is you want to go to Rod's 
Links.com. Okay, that's my link tree. It's got tons of free resources, books and stuff like that there. But at the top is my bootcamp website. Just remember the code Drew and you can come for 47 freaking dollars. Okay. So, you know, and I don't, and again, and, and but I'm going to tell you, it is drinking through a fire hose. The manual is about two inches thick. Um, and I've never had a complaint. That's a lie. I get complaints that the breaks are too short. I get, I do 15 minute breaks every couple of hours. And trust me, they're harder on me than they are on you. Cause I got to go eat and go to the bathroom and everything else. But, uh, but I pack in a ton. And, uh, if you're, if you're, if you're not an expert in this multifamily space and you have an interest in it, get your butt to my boot camp. I promise you, you'll be glad you came. I, I, and, and, uh, and again, I don't sell anything there. So it's kind of a dove for 47 bucks. Uh, I mean, I what think you, the price now is 200 and it'll be 400 before the event, but I, I want to hook your people up here. But, appreciate uh, that. And yeah. what do you get into? Is that where you would, I, you I talk about how to, how, how, I start and, with goal setting. I spend time on mindset because it's the most important piece. People think, you know, and I tell people, I know you're, you're like sitting here probably going, Oh, get on with the real estate. No, this is more important than the real estate. Okay. Uh, and then, but then I talk about, you know, uh, area evaluation. What do we look for? Population growth, income growth, you know, job growth and, and so on and so forth. I talk about how to evaluate an area, how to pick a market, how to find deals, uh, every way you can think of to find deals, how to build your team, what to look for, you know, and the people you're going to work with, you know, how to evaluate uh, people as well. I spend time on that, believe it or not, because uh, uh, it's important. Uh, and then, you know, how to finance your deals, how to raise all the money you need for your deals, how to how to syndicate, how to joint venture. I have an SEC attorney talk about syndication. I have uh, a loan broker that that's that really awesome talk about, you know, the different loan products and how you can finance these things. And uh, but most of it's me. Those are the only two people I bring in. Then I have panels every day, which are which, you know, is typically two or three billion dollars represented by the panelists that I have to answer questions. And people love the the panels. That's that's a they, they love those. And we take questions live that we can hear the people ask the question. It's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I show people a deal. I show it's, it's either a deal that I've got working or one that I've done that they can use as a sample deal package. If they're going to approach investors, they can say, hey, this is an example of the kind of stuff we look for. You know, if you're interested, um, you know, let me know and I'll let you know next time we have a deal. Um, what am I forgetting? Property management. We talk about property management. We talk about asset management. I mean, we cover it all. I mean, it's not yeah, like I'm just gonna. I, I'm not gonna tease you. You're, you're gonna, you know, bring your A game if you if you come. That's all I can tell you. So again, rodslinks.com. You should go there anyway and do the goals if you're not gonna come to the event because you just should and have your spouse do them. See how see how well aligned you are. You move in the same direction. But rodslinks.com. Use the code Drew for the boot camp to come for forty seven bucks. And if you don't love the event. Let me know. I'll give you your 47 bucks back. Okay. I don't mean like it. I mean, love it. I've never had it happen, but you know, it's the first time. What days? But what days? Oh, it's May, May 6th and 7th. It's a weekend. Oh, and that'll include the recordings, right, Matt? We can make <laughs> his blood just drained from his face. <laughs> yes, it will. It will also include the recordings. So if you can't come for both days, you'll get the recordings. Okay. Which yeah, again, don't get me started no, on, like that. on the, on the, on the value on that. It's, it's, it's insane. But, uh, but anyway, so, you know, it, it really is mindset. Um, my most successful students are the ones that just take action. You know, yeah, they stub their nose. Yeah, they get their nose bloodied and 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 so on and so forth. They get back up. They dust themselves off. 
you know, I'll tell you, I, I don't say this often, but I'm, I'm an, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I know you are well as well. You told me about what you did when, you know, through high school, you made money, which was awesome. And I've built, I, I counted, I was shocked when I, when I counted this a couple of years ago, I built 27 businesses so far in my career, several were tens of millions of dollars, but most were spectacular flaming seminars. You know, we fail our way to success. Right. And, and I don't call them failures. I call them seminars. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, um, I got to meet the billionaire owner of Spanx, um, the women's undergarments, you know, hold it all together, yeah, Sarah Blake, Sarah. Sarah Blakely. Yeah. Beautiful human being. And, and in fact, her and her husband, Jesse were at the Grant growth con, but I met her years ago at, at a, at a mastermind. And she told me that her dad used to ask her and her brother when she was young on about a weekly basis, what have you failed at this week? And I thought, what an mm. awesome freaking question to ask your kids. So they don't fear failure. And, and, uh, uh, because, you know, w when when you approach life like that, success is inevitable, right? And so, uh, but uh, so let's see, I talked about failure. Um, you know, let me share one thing before we we cut loose here. Um, you know, when I, when I immigrated and moved to Denver, I knew that I all ultimately wanted to live on the beach. And obviously, there's no beach in Denver. But I, one of the goals that I had was to build or buy a house on the beach. And uh, I would visualize the palm trees and the surf and the sand. And 20 years later, I did that. I built this incredible $8 million, 10,000 square foot mansion on the beach. I owned the, the beach on one side and I had my boat lifts on the backside. It was called a Gulf to Bay where it was just like a slice through an island, which honestly was unthinkable when I was 18, but I manifested, I made it happen. And you can too, whatever, there's nothing you cannot do, be, or have. Just remember that guys. Okay. But anyway, so I built this house. And it took me 20 years to, to, to make this happen two months after I moved in. So 20 years, two months, two months after I moved in, I'm floating in the pool at night and I'm looking up at this testament to my ego, which is really what it was. It was to prove the world I was good enough. You know, it's embarrassing to admit that, but that's the truth of it. And I mean, the, the, this house is magnificent. Let me just describe it. Okay. I, I had a giant waterfall from the second floor balcony into the pool. You had to walk through the waterfall to get in the pool. Pools and magazines, a giant spiral staircase up through the middle of the house, a wine cellar, elevator on the second floor. I'll stop at this. But on the second floor, I had aquariums built around the spiral staircase that cost me almost 200 grand. So this gives you an uh -huh. idea of the house. Um, and, and, um, so I'm looking up at this testament to my ego, the pool's changing colors, it's got fiber optic lighting, and I'm looking up, my family's inside sleeping, I had all the toys and stuff, I had the Mercedes and the Maserati and the boats and the jet skis, and, and I got depressed. And I don't mean a little depressed, I mean I got really depressed, I'm just floating in the pool, and then it, it stayed with me, and I'm like, what the hell, I've just achieved success like times 10,000, how could I possibly be depressed? Well, let me just end, you know, share this final message with your listeners. There were several things happening. The first is, as it relates to goals, you should never achieve a big life-changing goal without having other goals lined up behind it. Because like the good book says, without a vision, the people perish. You got to have a vision for the future. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. And it's never about the goals. You need the goals to create that burning desire to take, get off your butt and make things happen, to grind for a few years like most people won't, so you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. You got to have the goals, but it's never about the goals. Happiness comes from progress and growth, okay? And so, 
you know, if you do my goal setting workshop, either at my bootcamp or on Rod's links, you'll find at the end, I do this weekly planning process that I teach. It's like a little bonus. It's how I manage two large companies at the same time. And one of those pieces in that process is to acknowledge anything you did the previous week. Because if even if you made a little bit of progress, you'll be happy because you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have delays. You're going to have things happen to you. But if you're progressing and growing, you'll be happy. And so that's one of the pieces of that weekly planning process. Uh, you don't want to miss that if you, if you go and uh, do the goals with me. But, um, and so, um, and so that was the second piece. But the third piece of the reason I was depressed is I'd been totally focused on me, you know, rod, 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 show the world I'm good enough, show the world I matter. And that's the year I discovered Tony Robbins. This is 23 years ago. And I went and saw him speak live and I'm like, oh man, well, first of all, you know, if you have a chance to see him, just do it. Trust me. Again, I've, I've, I've probably did three events a year for 20 years until I had a car accident and then I'd slow down. And I was on his security detail for eight years. And, um, but, but, um, just life changing guy. But I found that he fed families for the holidays. And I, I thought that was so cool. He did, you know, he had an experience when he was a child. And, and, and so he does what he calls a basket brigade. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I called my brother and I said, he lived in Denver. And I said, let's go feed five families. I'm going to come up and see you for Thanksgiving. Let's feed five families. And so we bought the food. We had a lot of fun. We got, fro we did it for Thanksgiving, frozen turkeys. We got toys for the kids if they had kids. And the third family changed my life, Drew. We go up to this house and it's this Hispanic woman with five kids. And it wasn't even a one bedroom. It was like a crappy one bedroom because you had to walk through the bedroom to get to the kitchen. And she comes out and she sees the stuff on the porch and she starts crying. Her kids come out. The older ones start crying. I start crying and I was hooked. And I'm blessed to say in the last 23 years, we fed well over 130,000 children here in Sarasota and Bradenton, Florida wow. uh, for, for the holidays. We've done you know tens of thousands of backpacks filled with school supplies for local kids. We've done tens of thousands of teddy bears to local police departments to get, for officers to keep in their vehicles if they encounter a child that's been traumatized in a, some sort of a domestic incident or whatever. And you know, and I don't say that to brag, but what I, but I want the message I want you to get if you're listening and you might be one of the, you might be listening, blood dripping from your teeth. You want success so bad. And you might be saying to yourself, yeah, well, you have money so you can give back. I'm going to tell you, figure out how you can give back right now. Okay. Because we've been taught in life and really in this, in this, in, in, in this United States that we have to achieve to be happy that we shouldn't be happy until we've achieved. But I'm going to tell you, if you give back, you're happily achieving. And I know it's a play on words, but it's an important one. And I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, Tony Robbins calls it the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. You've got to figure out what juices you. You know, for me, it's kids. Maybe for you, it's uh, animals, the elderly, the environment, whatever. Pick something and give back right now, even if it's just your time. Not only will this, the money come faster, you don't do it for that reason, but trust me, it will. But but you'll be you'll be fulfilled and you'll be happy on this path. So I just want to share that last piece. I know it's it long, but it was important. Be very fulfilling. And I I, yeah. I assumed when you're in that pool and you're not happy, where or, or you're surprised you're not as happy as you were, where that's where this was going. Where right? Oh yeah. At that point, probably all your goals are about this is the car, this is the house, this is the spot to be. That's all it was. Then, it was all material. It was all it was all show the world I'm good enough, and it, which was is irrelevant, honestly. And and you know and. Uh, I, I'm so proud of, you know, now my goals are my student success. I've got a wall behind my office in my one other building in my compound here with literally hundreds of thank you cards that I look at and, and it's a blessing. And, and, and so, you know, again, your goals evolve. And if you're giving back in any fashion, you get it back a hundredfold, a thousandfold. I mean, you know this, Drew. And and yeah. Um, so 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 use that dynamic and and use it for the right reasons, but but trust me. 
and then you're fulfilled. Yeah. And this money doesn't solve all your problems. And actually something that's very brief that Damon John said, I think on Shark Tank, um, and, and it's, it's right. And at the time I was going through a divorce and it was like, this is like really spot on where he was talking about, um, yeah, having money, all it does is you can just show up to your problems in a Bugatti. And, you know, it was <laughs> I like, like it. I was like, you know, that's uh, interesting. You know, obviously we're make a bit of money in real estate, but like, you know, I can't, I don't have a happy home or, you know, it's like, it's a difficult, um, scenario. And so like, that's, yeah. you know, at least as, uh, you know, a goal of mine was to obviously, improve that. And, but it's, you know, that's where, you know, so I, it was very profound what he said. And it's interesting too, because a lot of people, it's interesting, like my parents could have probably told me that, but I would have been like, yeah, okay, you guys, you don't have a Bugatti. How would you know? Kind of thing where Damon John, you know, he can, he can have a, you know, he's probably got a Bugatti in LA and one in Miami and he can, and he tells you it's not that big a deal. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter once you have it. It's actually probably a pain, you know? And right. you're buying ten thousand dollar tires for. Hey, listen, I did the Lamborghinis <laughs> and the Maserati and the Bentley and the Rolls and all this stupid shit I thought was important. And it doesn't. Again, it, it's brief. It's so brief. I, you know, I, I most of that stuff is out of my. I still have, love watches. I do collect watches still. I got a pretty dynamic watch collection. But but honestly, it, it's just stuff. And and if you're giving back, I mean the the the, well, I mean the the how you feel. You're so fulfilled. You're so enriched. Uh, and and frankly, it's it, it 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 absolutely ramps your trajectory in success. No question, absolutely no yeah. question. And I think it's interesting too. I'll I go on a, a few podcasts that it's they'll ask why did you uh, think you could buy a property when you were nineteen or then get into these bigger deals? And my answers are always around mindset. Like yeah. I didn't, mm-hmm. I thought I could, so I just did it. Yeah, and then yeah. there wasn't you know I saw these people that had. Uh, uh, you know, they had apartment portfolios or they owned a series of subway restaurants. And is, mm-hmm. I mean, these just seem like regular guys that just went for it. Oh, that's funny. So I, I had friends that had a series of subway restaurants as well. They were partners of mine. That's really funny. You said that. I mean, when I was, yeah, coming up in high school, I mean, 2000 to 2004, I was in high school and that was like, you know, the number one franchise at that point. Right. And, right, um, right. The only person that I knew that knew of that would have had enough money to let's say own a Porsche at the time, that's what he did. He oh, he was like the all. A lot of my friends worked at the subway, and they were like, well, yeah, "Believe it or not, a, they they don't they portion. don't make that much money at the time." Yeah. I found out because they they're not that you know. I mean, he, you have to have a bunch of them, and you got to work them hard. Uh, I wouldn't. It's I mean, not I'm as not, good as I don't, it, I don't want to know. It's not as good as it might appear on the outside. I just want to say that. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to slam subway, but but you know, I, I I got to see some of the numbers, and I was a little surprised uh, by yeah. A lot of those numbers. franchises, it's not nearly as good as you think. You're basically right. We're getting into almost like a job of sorts. And it's right, so much, right. it's so management intensive where if you're, right. you know, thought these apartment deals are a lot of work or try running a, a restaurant, you know? Oh, where- dude, I had frozen yogurt <laughs> shops. I, I mean, I tell you again, I had done 27 different businesses and t- I had two frozen yogurt shops. Good to God, what a nightmare that was. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'd be curious. Let's, you know, uh, what are your goals at this point then personally, where I've, we heard a lot about the importance of them and yeah. uh, your background, yeah. but I think let's close with what, what are you focused on today? Lifestyle, honestly, and and the success of my students. I mean, I focus on that constantly. I'm constantly improving our programs, and and this is not me selling it. Honestly, it's just the truth. That's just I I believe in constant. Tony Robbins calls it Kanai, constant and never ending improvement, and I believe in that. So we're always writing new books. I've got dozen, you know, a couple dozen books that have been written. Some of the best in class in their topics, like asset management, like property management, like. Uh, 
you know, how, how to how to define and uh, pick a partner and things things of that nature. And you'll see some of that stuff at Rod's links. There's several of them there. But if you follow me on social and go through some of my feeds, you'll see I've got a, a huge book on syndication, finance, deal structure, all sorts of things relating to the multifamily business, but also, you know, uh, mindset and and building and and again partnerships, uh, questions you ask, and things of that nature. And so, you know, my goals are just to continually make it better, um, and 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 start looking through life through more of a lifestyle filter, spending more time with my wife. Like I said, we just we spent two weeks in Japan. We were in Curacao two months ago. Um, you know, uh, we're we're I really love travel and and do more of that with her. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that's, you know, that's been a, a personal goal of mine to get, uh, you know, get the lifestyle component going again, where I had, you know, a, a kid in 2017 and sort of, you know, sort of just went all parent mode. But it's it's crazy sure. to think like in 2012, I went to uh, like in the, like a 12 month period, I went to 15 countries where I went to Japan okay. and all over. And I use and I joke now it's it kind of it's not a funny joke to me where it's like, yeah, that's when I like peaked when I was cool, you know, and I was like, uh, yeah. yeah I could, tell you what it was like in India and Dubai and, you know, Paris. And, and so, you know, was, uh, and you now know, I'm you know, 60, I'm 63, I'm 63. And, and it's like, uh, you know, people retire at this age. If you live in France, they're fighting about that. He, uh, Macron's trying to raise it to 65, but people retire at that age. And, you know, I feel like I'm just getting started, but, you know, I don't want to have any regret. And, and I think that's the worst thing in the world you can have. And so I really want to do it all. You know, I, I, I rode go-karts through downtown Tokyo at night a week ago. Okay. So, you know, stupid, crazy stuff. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome. I, I want to, yeah, that's, that's important. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap it at that. I mean, yeah. yeah live thanks, life buddy. where you're not making any regrets. I think we know to go to Rod's links. And then what, what else? Uh, what, oh, that's it, buddy. I, I mean, my podcast, my podcast is there at Rod's links as well. I hope you check it out. We're over 16 million downloads and really proud of it. And even if, you know, um, uh, you just listen to the own your power clips, uh, you give me five minutes a week, I'll juice you. Okay. And, and you need it. I mean, you need it. Uh, so I just got a cold plunge. So I hear they really juice you. And I, I did my <laughs> first cold shower today in 10 days. I'm going to be getting in that bad boy and I'm, I'm still nervous about it, but yeah, I just had it. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so Rod's links is the place to go. Everything's there. And and uh, and if you've ever got a question of any kind, I answer every question on social media. I, people are like, is this really you? Yeah, it's really me. So, you know. Yeah, that's great. And, and one thing that you do really well too is where a lot of this stuff when you're starting out it seems super complicated and a little daunting where you you do a great job of explaining it in a way that like a a regular person can understand so we're not uh you know it's uh especially whether you're in real estate or not right now and you're listening to this like rod's yeah. content is a great place where you especially you. if you're starting out and obviously you have stuff for more advanced with the masterminds no, and definitely but, definitely starting out definitely starting out but uh um uh, you know uh, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you. I no, appreciate but I, yeah, that's words, one buddy. thing you do do well. So thank you. appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Rod. Thank you. Thanks, brother. If you learned something from today's show, leave a review and hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy your podcast. Dive deeper into real estate investing on Brenneman Capital's website, Brenneman.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Accredited investors can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the Invest Now button on our website.
The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Brenneman Capital LLC and its subsidiaries. Views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. The speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.